Testing, one, two, three, testing. Hello? Is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? I'm looking for anyone. Anyone? Please, anyone, respond. Help needed. Can anybody hear me? Help needed. If you can hear, please respond. Please respond. for listening to Heroclix Borderlands, the podcast where I kind of entail my struggles in living in the casual and meta environment and trying to be productive in both. Uh, my name is Shay McClure. I'll be your host. Uh, you can find me on HC Realms as Colossus TN, that's all one word, or on, on the WizKids Info Network as Showtime TN, or by email of lostinclicks at gmail.com as L-O-S-T-I-N-C-L-I-X at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening in. This is episode five. Yes, we have crossed the four-week barrier into our fifth episode, and I'm hoping that I can continue this. Currently, uh, my big thing I've been working on is my WKO team. Now, I have not played any games since I last gave a podcast. really just been working on getting the pieces together. Now, that has involved me going out on eBay and Amazon, kind of looking for stuff that I can add to the team. Possibly, probably I've spent close to about $30 or $40 to help build this team up. Now, that's a lot, but in my eyes, it's just an investment in order to get some pieces I've been wanting and some things I've been wanting to kind of make it a better build. But I have run into a problem. Uh, Sneaky Brick and I have been uh, kind of texting back and forth and just going over some different aspects of my build, and we've play tested it. And we have kind of come to the conclusion about trying to optimize my teleporter for Mr. Mixelplick. I've always wanted him to be one of my central figures, and really looking at the teleporter build just to be his and how to maximize it. Started looking at cards that could kind of bring that maximum. Uh, effect for Mixquick to make him more of an effective character. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, a lot of cards that I was looking at to bring maximum effect, I don't own. And in researching or looking at them, you're talking about $50 expenses, uh, $60 expenses for cards for this WKO building. And some of it was almost impossible to go find. So... In essence, I've kind of come to a crossroads that we all do. It's like, how much do I spend? Am I trying to buy a victory? Am I trying to buy the perfect team? 
Or how much do I just settle into my collection and let it help me build it and just find some fun in the collection I have? So I have spent some money and kind of built it up. And I'm just going to be truthful, y'all. I've spent some money. Uh, I felt like it's big and important for me to go out there and uh, to kind of spend some money. But I've had to make some kind of tough decisions on what I want to do and what, what I want to use. And, you know, I keep trying to keep in mind, well, can this team actually last past the winter WKO build and maybe make it where I don't have to redo it at Worlds and just kind of really just kind of sat down with the team and just kind of kept moving it and looking at what I could get and what I couldn't. So currently, and I'm really I'm pretty much settled on it, it's probably going to be the build I'm going to work with because I need to find out how this team works and really kind of concentrate on Mr. Mixelput really dominating what I call tempo in the game. And so the build is being built around Mixelput for the teleporter. Uh... Superman's still out there as a last-second call-in. Really wanting to get the dial to the number three ability to call in Superman. Otherwise, he's just given invincible to whenever the dials roll. Um, so he's just kind of there as a mop-up guy, Not, and I use him for that. Now, on the other end, what I've got is I do I did go out and purchase a Ronin and and a Ronin ID card. That's one of my purchases, and I had to purchase a Supergirl ID card and a Green Arrow, the WKD16004. Those were ones I didn't have. Uh, expensive, probably. Okay, I, I take it. Thinking through that, about $60 probably. It's a lot for just some pieces in the collection, but compared to some, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. The reason why I went with Ronan was the ID card bonus that he's going to give, which should help uh, Mixelpick whenever he's trying to land his uh, pulse wave. It's a plus one, so I'm hoping to roll that to help with that. Uh, but on the sideline, it also gave me some good options. Um, on the sidelines, what I have is a the Ronan from Avengers Assembled, which is good in that he has charge, flurry, exploit, weakness, with three damage, so I'm really looking for him to be able to come in and really hurt somebody hard. I kind of take the place of Wonder Woman at 200 points. Wonder Woman was going to be with Superman, so I wanted somebody I could actually call in. Ronan at 100, 109 gives me an a option call in, uh, but he also gives me the ability to switch him with a Hawkeye or Moon Knight. And uh, those are the figures I do have, and I do. The Hawkeye I'm looking at, let me pull him up right here because I kind of changed it and I have it wrong. and I'll, I'll correct it when I put it out there. The Hawkeye I'm actually looking at to use with him, and and this is another one where I just got tired of trying to spend money, and the Hawkeye I chose is one I currently own. Um, let me pull it up. Okay, it is... Oh, why did he not pull... Oh, I need to type correctly. That would help. Uh, the current Hawkeye I have is the Age of Ultron, Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, he is the 75-point version. Um, he has 8 range. He starts out with 8 movement. With, with uh, He has a trait that gives him running shot. He has a psychic blast. He has 17 defense with willpower. He has stealth on top click, and he has three damage, two lightning bolts, and he also has enhancement. So 
My thought is, depending on the situation, Ronan also gives me the ability to bring in a different character. He has the Avengers Initiative team ability. So it just gives me a little bit of an option. That's kind of what I liked about Ronan. I can bring him in and I can switch him out for Hawkeye if I want an enhancement, if I need the Psychic Blast, if I need a dual target, if I need to be able to see through hindering. So his ability to give me just just a little bit more option than on that and then also I have Moon Knight just in case he's got the Spider-Man team ability uh, he will also attack value plus one for each opposing character within range so I can bring him in he's got a running shot and throw him out in the middle as a calling character and his his attack value will go up so if I really need to land a shot and and there's a lot of pogs in the area and I want to hit one of his main characters not only five range but a nine running shot so he can he's got 10 swing and his ability to up his attack value to it 13 against these pog teams with three damage gives me another option so Ronan's just out there for an option I know that he won't survive the next round of retirement so that option will be limited to just this WKO event and I'd have to come up with something else now I still have shield level 7 Nick Fury, but what I also added on that Shield Level Seven card is I also own the Age of Ultron Quasar, and depending on how the game's going, and I'm still trying to work out the rules on that. In that, it could end up if the game's going well and it looks like I'm headed towards the three dial, not calling in Nick Fury and maybe bringing in a full point Quasar with his running shot. Now on top of that, I added the Supergirl. Um, ID card, which she gives plus one to damage, which I'm really thinking about. People don't use Mixie this way, but sometimes I might have Mixie take out maybe a Colossal. Uh, I think with that plus one damage, his nine range, his ability to make himself Colossal, uh, gives him the ability to be a sniper at times. And that little bump to damage to go from one to two can help him take out some pieces, even in an Ultron drone maybe. So really looking at that. Um, so to give us some more options, uh, also using the world's finest 056 Supergirl gives me a lot of point options. So at the beginning of the game, I can choose the point level I want her at. I can actually bring her in at a hundred points with an ultra drone, or I can put her up to her maximum to go with Superman as a last minute call in. Now I'm still going with green arrow. It's plus two to uh, range attacks really helps out Mixie. I put, I had the suggestion Sneaky Brick, which I thought was a good one, was Booster Gold, which I had to go buy the card. I owned the figure. card really wasn't that expensive, expensive enough, about $15. But the Booster Gold, uh, give me Prob. I'm pretty sure it is Prob on my, on my attacks. It's huge because I don't have Prob currently on my team. I have a mini Prob with a Mixie, but that can give me another option. Let me pull up Booster Gold's card. Yeah can use probability control when targeting an opponent with attack and with his point value um, the ability to call him in also allows him to um, give due prob also and that that could be huge at a certain point in the game he's going to be a, a situational call in really trying to get him around on the ability for Mixie to use his prob uh, on the teleporter um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. Uh, Solaris is still in my back pocket. I think using him aggressively will be interesting with his 10 range and ability to see through hindering. He might give me some options too in that plus one damage from Supergirl if she's brought in. I don't know. I 
or bringing in Ronan and substituting Hawkeye to give enhancement. I don't know. I think I have a lot of different options. Really, the the crux of the team is to get into where I can get Superman in and keep Devil Dinosaur around and maybe beat people on points. Um, as I said in the last game, you know, I, I'll have to keep track of the points a little bit better. So that's kind of my strategy right now. I know I'm laying it all out there and probably people are listening going, why are you going to tell your strategy? I, I, I don't know. I, I think in involving in a discussion, trying to decide, hey, what will work, what won't work, kind of helps me out to and getting ready for this tournament. Um, I said that's the WKO build right now. I'm probably shutting down, moving it around. I'd love to hear some input on, hey, do you looking at my build and I'll put it out there on the podcast. What are your thoughts? What do you think I should be doing with it? Uh, right now I'm looking at practicing some of these combos and getting out there and getting to know some of these other teams. Um, bringing into uh, just mind of what I believe when it comes to coaching, you know, I, I coach sports, is that sometimes you can't get the perfect team, but what you have to do is have to play the perfect game for your team. And in, in that, what I mean is that you have to adjust how you do stuff, your strategy, to around the strengths of your team. I need to settle on my team, and I'm pretty much settled on it. I need to settle on the teleporter. I need to quit tweaking it, and I need to play to my strengths and understand what my team can do and really work to get myself in the most advantageous position possible in every match. Um, in the end, I believe when you sit down, you got to know the capabilities of your team, but you also have to be able to look across, see the weaknesses of the other team, and start looking to get to positions that can exploit that. Um, a lot of people just focus too much on their team and don't look at the opponent's team, or if they look at the opponent's team, they don't know it well enough in order to know successful strategies against it. Um, I think that's what makes Heroclix very interesting. It's a little bit different than chess. Chess, everybody has the exact same pieces, and you kind of know how they work. So everybody kind of knows on an evil, on an equal playing field. But in Heroclix, the, the piece is so varied in how their synergy works is that teams can surprise you. Um, I would love if my team surprised some people. I don't think it will. I think... Uh, what will happen is this team gives me a lot of options to cut other teams apart. Um, alpha strike teams are always going to be a, be a problem. Uh, uh, Ultron drone, Faust teams, and um, what I call uh, the Avengers Quinjet teams will always be a problem. Uh, they're going to be a problem going forward. But I think I'm giving myself some options to kind of maybe deal with those teams, and maybe come up with some fun strategies to kind of just go out and have fun. But I need to settle in, uh, decide on my team, and just go out and have fun with them. I, I'd suggest that to anybody. Just get to a point where you settle on your team and just go have some fun with them. Know what they can do. Really take it as a match between you and the other team and how can you pick them apart. Sometimes you choose correctly, and sometimes you don't. You just have to give yourself an opportunity. Um, I believe every team has a linchpin. And it is taking that figure out or hampering that figure that will ultimately help you to be successful in that match. And But unfortunately, Heroclix is a, is a game of dice, and you can't control that. And sometimes your best strategies just backfire because we all have that defining moment when we play. There's a time in which we run something out there and we need it 
We need the attack to go through for us to complete our strategy. And sometimes it doesn't happen. But I, I, I believe, just like in the sports I coach, you should go ahead and take that shot at it. I mean, the worst thing is not to, to be scared of that shot. I think you have to go for it. If it fails, understand you might have a backup plan or you might have a way to retreat. You shouldn't give up. But, you know, that was your shot at the game. Uh, and you have a couple other decisions after that on how that game kind of turns out. So I'm interested to see how those strategies play out. Um, so I'm looking forward to kind of adjusting my meta strategies game by game. I think the meta actually has several strategies that occur game to game. but um, And when you sit down and match, some people will be going just for points, other people going for wipeouts. And you've got to kind of adjust your strategy at each round as you go. And I think once you get into like two-in-one matches, you're going to see people more aggressive because they're looking to get a lot of points in order to qualify for your top 16. So, And it depends on how many people at the tournament. But that's enough about the meta. I mean, meta, this will be interesting. I plan on having fun. I plan on taking a team that I know very well and not be disappointed on anything that goes on. I mean, I get a day to go play clicks with some high-quality players, and that shouldn't take away from it. Uh, The focus shouldn't be, and I always tell my teams this, the focus should be on your effort, not on what happens in the wins or losses. Um, I think when we focus on wins and losses, that causes you to overvalue a win or overvalue a loss. So I think to remain steady and to always put out at a high performance level, taking each game in the now and just enjoying the game and focusing on what you're trying to do. And enjoying it afterwards. So, um, that can really make a difference. So, anyway, that's kind of where I'm at at WK. I'd love to hear y'all's uh, opinions or, you know, just thoughts on it. Or you can even tell me, man, that's a horrible team. You're just going to get wrecked. And I'm okay with that because I like to hear the constructive feedback on it. Um, as I said, you can email me at lostinclicks at gmail.com or contact me on HC Realms as Colossus TN. And, we, and you know what? I'm open to any kind of suggestion. I pretty much settled on what I want, but I'm open to ideas and stuff like that. I believe you should hear from others. You should be your type of player. But in the end, you should be open to learn new things. Now, that moving on, uh, my topic today is about maps. And you know, I'm going to label the episode Knowing the Terrain. Maps have become more and more important. Casual environments, you pretty much when you show up at tournaments at your casual local venue, your maps are pretty much set. Okay, they have a map they're going to have you play on, or you have a group of maps you can play on that the venue has. Usually, players don't bring maps. When you get to a meta event, uh, you bring maps. Uh, one of the things I noticed at Origins, and it kind of threw me off, is when I signed up for the sealed qualifier for Worlds. Uh, people brought maps and you were supposed to on your build totals write down the three maps you brought that you could choose from and when you lost and I lost a map roll about every time they would go to certain maps and my my ability to know what that map was and the best points on it became a huge uh, advantage for them because they had tested on that map and they had played that map so uh, there's certain teams that really enjoy an advantage on a map and other teams that are hindered by certain maps so map selection at meta tournaments are is huge it's a it's a hidden factor of the game 
And it also is kind of driving some of the theme teams that people are putting together so that they can get bonuses to their map roll, especially for teams that are dependent on maps. And at a casual event, they can have a huge impact on the team you bring and the map, since you're kind of locked into a map selection, it can actually force you to change your strategy about the team you brought. I got a couple interesting things. I wish I could tell you. I wish I'd. I've started looking at maps and I've started my map collection, building it up and building it up and actually going through and separate out what I consider the maps that aren't tournament legal. So I know which ones and I can kind of look over those. And the ones that, well, separate out the ones that aren't and are. Looking at the ones that are tournament legal so I kind of have familiarity with them, which I have like six or seven. And deciding on when I go to WKO, which maps I might take to help my team. Which currently I'm leaning towards a wide open map because of Solaris' 10 range and just don't want a lot of blocking train. I'm okay with elevated because uh, Solaris will be kind of able to look over it and Nick Fury can shoot through elevated. So that that should be a that can be a map consideration as kind of a terrain to help me and do that. So but uh, interior maps are, I don't think that good because it kind of hurts my range, but you know, I'm open to suggestions on that. But what, what I've been noticing is that maps have just a huge impact on the game. So knowing your training, I know in chess, we always talk about controlling the middle of the board. Uh, on a lot of Heroclix maps, I think that's important too, because if you get to the middle of the board, it cuts down range. So if you're in the middle of the board, Everywhere at the back of the board, you have about 20 squares to get to the other side of the board. But if you're in the middle, it's about 10 to get to everywhere, maybe a little bit more. But you cut down the angles in which your opponent, um, it's kind of like a trap in basketball. You're cutting down the court, making the, the opponent play on a smaller and smaller court. Uh, this can get really huge in what we call uh, inside wall maps, you know, the kind of office maps and stuff like that, because you can start cutting the map into from a full map into a half a map, especially with pogs. They're basically walking blocking terrain if you have characters that can't move through them. And you are then kind of limiting what your opponent can do and kind of corral them to a point where you can uh, kind of... Uh, uh, go after them. So uh, maps are huge in how you handle them. I got I got two stories. I know um, when I went to DragonCon, that's like the first, and that's a long time ago, guys. I wish I could tell you what year it was. I can't. I'll have to bring stuff out. I participated in a sealed event down there. It was when Icons was out. Hope some of y'all went to it. I know I went to it. It's fun. It was the big event. Uh, it was 500 points. And you got two, uh, I think it was two icons boosters. What, what? I pulled a vet suits, and I was the only one pulled out of all the contestants, and everybody was just going off about my icon soups and all that. And in that, I can tell you, I just didn't embrace the challenge. <laughs> I didn't. I actually was disappointed that I pulled a vet icon soups because it's such a simple piece to play and I felt like you're expected to win because I had a dark side with it and two I want to say rookie arrows arsenals or something like that and they were they had stealth and so I had a rookie dark side and I had the vet soups and you know people just expect me to roll and I, I did except for one match I, I pretty much 
cleaned everybody out except for one match, and then that was on the junkyard map if everybody remembers that. And it's against a Batman and Geoforce team. And really, as I said, it comes down to dice rolls. Uh, Superman missed two attacks on Batman with a a uh, heavy object needing a five to hit. Five or six. Missed both. Uh, after that, it just came and knocked down, drag out affair. And I think I lost by like 15 points on points. And it really came down to, on that map, I just didn't use it correctly. Um, I had, if you know that map, I had Superman hiding in that trash compactor. And I had that team down there too. What I didn't do is use the terrain to maximize dark side and the arrows. And they were actually in the middle of the board. And I should use them more to control the board. I think it might have been a 400 point game. 400, 500. With that many actions, I wasn't taking enough actions. I was depending too much on Superman. But the board dictated that actually dark side could dominate out there. Because of his range, and once he's in the middle, very few pieces could hide from him. And it's just bad map play on my part. However, later in that tournament, I used a, we were using the, I think it was Star Labs, is the one where you started outside and in the middle was the interior, and then the other side was outside the other starting area. I used a strategy my friend had used against me. It kind of shows that, that, you know, on maps, you just have to have some strategies for them. But, if you remember, it was kind of an S-shape through that hallway. And the other opponent had moved his forces up to where I wouldn't have a line of sight to hypersonic Superman in and take a shot without leaving them open. And they, he had said an ambush in, the other, on, in, that, in his big hallway over there. So, actually, I'd done something my friend had done before. I just used Darkseid to blast a hole in the wall. Just ran Superman over the hole, shot one of his pieces, and ran back. I pretty much changed the map through the use of a just blowing a wall out. And I think sometimes we forget about it. We let the wall funnel us in some, on some maps, especially interior maps. The use of strategic holes in that map can create alleyways that the map is not, does not have designed. Uh, that's why some figures such as when I'm using Ultron 6 drum, as he moves through block and train, he destroys it. That's huge. That's a uh, huge advantage to be able to create a new alleyway or a new path through a map. And that's what I'm talking about. Playing on maps, uh, sometimes maps are funneling you to different directions and the ability to bypass those funnels or the ability to know how to get around those sections or even know those kill zones is huge in the game of Heroclix. Heroclix is a game of positioning, a game of movement, a game of using your actions to the fullest, and in casual or meta, the map plays a huge role in how your team performs. Um, so you kind of have to know what your team can do and how the map's going to affect it. Uh, I know in Civil War, the bit went the map with a big hole in it. I had nothing but a charged team, and I got killed by a ranged team. It's just so hard to get across that map, and once you get down in that pit the snipers were able to fire down on top of my team while I was able to get out and there's a lot of ways to get out uh, it was just pretty much a kill zone for them as I tried to make my way all the way across that map so in that fact I, I knew that I was at a disadvantage and I needed to get to the middle as quickly as possible using the best cover I could but it was really important that I close the distance because his best opportunity was to actually keep the distance away. Uh, 
And yeah, I just wasn't able to do it. I missed some rolls where I should have, and it just the way it worked out. But you have to know your maps. I know in the casual environment, it's uh, going to be dictated by by the uh, shop you're at. Uh, I have the shop I used to go to in Asheville. They had several maps, and if you want a map roll, you could choose from their maps. Uh, in like storyline events, you're just set on that map, and it's kind of you to take an advantage of that map is to know some of the angles, like how can you shoot here, um, how can you, uh, where's the best place to snipe from. So, uh, I mean, maps are so huge in HeroClix. That's why we have such different ones. Is we don't play it on a flat board like chess. Uh, Three-dimensional boards would be neat. But we play it on a board with terrain that brings advantages for your team and disadvantages. Um, so... I really want y'all to think about, you know, the use of maps. Uh, how am I using maps? I, I know I'm thinking about it. How can I better use a map? I think sitting down and looking across at the team, also you need to look at the maps and go, okay, where, where do I want to fight this fight at? I was listening to Dark Logos yesterday, and he said he talked about you can't just hunker down. You always have to ex- move a little bit forward so you give yourself a place to retreat in case stuff goes bad. I noticed that in my last match with Sneaky Brick. I kind of was... In a map, the Avengers indoor-outdoor compound, um, as I was moving up, I, I didn't really move up that far, and I kept Solaris back, and Solaris got trapped back there. Had nowhere to run, was kind of trapped, and was just taken out. was ineffective against the other team. So, um, going forward, you know, it's, it's kind of, you want to gain some ground and then be able to retreat just in case. So, I think maps are are huge, and I think everybody kind of needs to look at them. I know in the casual environment, I love pulling out thematic maps, uh, like home games. You want to pull out maps that look like it's going to be fun. It's going to create more of a battle, let people get up to each other. So um, just know that there's a huge impact with maps, and you need to know you're trained. So I say play different maps so you can kind of learn them. Like I said, if it wasn't for me playing my friend, I wouldn't have known that trick when I was at uh, Dragon Con that time. And, um, I mean, and that, that made, that made a huge difference. I mean, really just wiped out that guy. It's just like, whoa, what happened? Uh, I'll go and tell you, I finished top eight at Dragon Con, but, uh, I mean, after that one loss, I mean, it just kind of took, took everything out. You know, I was headed towards maybe a undefeated, but you know, it's the way it goes, the way the dice rolls. Um. So that's my inside and inside terrain. Kind of look at where maps are. Usually the center of the map is the most, uh, the best place to be, or at least center on one side or another so you can cut down the, uh, the uh, reach or the uh, angles. So you want to kind of know that and kind of know where your blocking terrain is because they, uh, the further an opponent out, the wider the cone is that they're blocked by. And that's just kind of, you know, stuff I start thinking about. So if you have blocking terrain, the further your opponent is out, the larger the area is that his line of sight is blocked if you stand at a certain angle on it. And I started wondering if that's why I understand that you put pogs out with some space between them so that, you know, you can energy explode them, which is smart, but they also create some very hard lines of fire to get to, to anybody behind those pogs. So I was, I'm going to sit down one day and look at the optimal arrangement of, of blocking train and, and pogs so that when you put them out, 
they cause the most chaos on a map or cause the most issues on a map but um anyway just just my thoughts on maps know your train know what you're playing and you know what have fun enjoy the environment use the environment to your advantage get to the point that makes your team the most um dangerous and make people have to come to that uh i assume good opponents make you to make you do it that way so that's when we're going to start using stuff like bait and stuff like that to try and get people out so uh i can tell you there's another map i was playing against a friend of mine he had a night crawler team not not the original night crawler but he had a night crawler team and i had a close combat team some range and pretty much i just sat there and destroyed terrain because uh that night crawler was a foot base and we didn't we never attacked each other because we were making sure the terrain was to our advantage and i'm not gonna say it was a fun map fun fun match i think i should have been more aggressive and i could maybe seen if i could have taken them out but yeah know your maps use them to your advantage and just have fun on them uh so that was our main topics, uh, knowing your train. Uh, just want to go over, I put a challenge out there for a Moon Knight team. I did get a response. Spider Nick sent us in a team. I want to bring up his team that he thought would be a fun Moon Knight team for you to use. And I kind of agree with him. Uh, I struggle with Moon Knight. Uh, not, I, I didn't read a lot of Moon Knight comics, so I don't know a lot about them. So, but he came up with a Moon Knight theme team, and it's not meta. He went with Civil War Punisher at 80 points, uh, Superior Foes Moon Knight at 90, Superior Foes Cage Fist duo, well not really duo, but Cage Fist piece at 50, uh, Superior Foes Cloak at 35, Superior Foes Dagger at 35, Jessica Jones ID and a Daredevil ID. That does look like a fun team. Uh, Cloak gives you some mobility, Cage Fist gives you some options. Moon Knight, love to get him to that last click, so you need him to hit somebody because of his last click where if you have a tribute token, you can take it off and he goes to his last click and that last click is pretty nasty. Let me pull it up. Uh, and Civil War Punisher, the flurry, extra dice, um, range combat, that's, that's nasty. I'd love to get that going. His aim, his aim tokens or his tokens that he has. Uh, I think that would be fun. But yeah, the, the Moon Knight, who's, yeah, his last click's 8 running shot with 11 attack, 18 defense toughness, 4 damage with close combat expert. Boy, you hit him at the right time on that, he will hurt somebody hard. It's kind of Avatar Vengeance thing. Um, so, I don't know. That looks like a lot of fun. Now, me, on the other hand, trying to put a team together, uh, yeah. It didn't work that well. Uh, trying to work with keywords, I tried to keep it uh, modern and I couldn't. Uh, my issue came down to mobility. Uh, what I did, as I went with Superior Foes Moon Knight, and then I added a Captain America Civil War Falcon at 90 points with a plus 5 to plasticity. Added the Fast Forces, uh, let me pull that one up. FFOA's Fast Forces. Fast Forces, you know, the Age of Ultron. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fast Forces, uh, Captain America at 100 points. He's got, uh, what did I add him for? Loved his free action range combat for a second one after he hits. And the ability to move people that share a keyword with him. Well, I did keyword this team in that soldier. 
So they're all soldier. I caught my uh, Marvel Veterans Day team. So you got Captain America there. can give you a little bit extra mobility. Moon Knight, I also looked at really bringing people on here that can give Moon Knight some, um, uh, you know, help in the team abilities. And Falcon brings Avengers Initiative and Captain America brings Avengers. So a little bit of help. I couldn't get what I wanted out there. I also added a uh, the WKMP16005 Punisher, who he has the sidestep start with a six range and range combat expert expert with a two damage, eleven attack, seventeen with a uh, uh, willpower. Um, so I added him just for a little range, a little more damage, and he fit the theme team with Soldier and with Marvel. And then for movement, I added Jason of Sparta from Guardians of the Galaxy. His ability to carry those people and move them into position kind of helps uh, get that team going. And his ability to get take a token and prevent people from being targeted is also a huge ability. So that gives you another round of immunity that he carried. I guess Moon Knight, Captain America, and Punisher in a position to lay a first strike or lay a strike on somebody. Maybe draw first blood. Now this team's 400 points on the nose. Uh, four actions. Uh, I think their damage ap- output needs to be better. Uh, they're going to be fighting uphill. It's going to be a position uh, kind of game. And I think you just kind of get into it. But they might be fun to play. It'd be a different type of team to play. A map will really help them since Jason and Sparta you uh, can use charge and the wing symbol and he uses carry ability. So, and he's got uh, blaze claws fangs to start 11, 11 uh, movements, so he would actually, carrying people would go 9. So I think an indoor map would really help this team because their lame range is limited anyway. Uh, they can blow up in some holes and kind of move around, especially with the Avengers Initiative. That will help uh, Moon Knight out. His ability to ignore hindering train. Captain America, uh, he's got a huge movement. I think he's got 11. So, 10 movement, 11 attack. I don't know. It might be a fun team play. They're missing prop control. They're missing outwit. Well, no, Sparta's got outwit. So, there's some definite deficiencies, but it looks like an interesting build for me. That's what I was able to come up with. Uh, love to hear some of your all's builds. Um, I know I'm going to reach into the bag and see what figure the next figure I think that uh, nobody's talking about or, you know, I just had a feeling I, I thought it should do more. Uh, the figure I'm looking at is actually uh, Joker's Wild Common Robin with his zipline trait. How do you get that to work? He looks like an interesting figure, his ability to pop around for five as a free action because that's his range. As long as he can see, he can pop to it. It sounds like a boom, like a like a uh, poof magician, you know, it's all of a sudden popping around. But um, how, what, can you build a team around that that kind of take advantage of it? I, that's my that's my thought here. Uh, and he's a common, so everybody should have him. It's not like he's very rare. Uh, let's see, he's got plasticity, which is pretty neat. Got 17 defense with combat reflexes. He's got 10 quake, and he's got three damage with empower. He's only four clicks deep. And his zip line, he's only 45 points. That's Batman ally. Once per turn, give Robin a power action when he has no action tokens or a free action when he has one action token. So I think it's better to do it after he moves. He's got an action. Place him into any square within range and line of fire. 
So that's kind of actually very interesting. You can he can run out eight, pop five next turn. Since he's already got an action token on, on him, he can pop five for free again. So that's 18 movement in two turns. And he should clear after that. That's, that's, wow, that's pretty huge. Now, his ability to stay alive is the problem. I mean, that 17 defense pretty naked. Will he be able to stay alive? Hmm, I wonder if a possessor might help him out. That'd be interesting. That'd be interesting to find out. That's just an interesting trait. Uh, if you're popping him into hindering every time, a charge piece could give him some trouble. Somebody can see through hindering. I don't know. Popping around an office map. Huh. I don't know. As I said, it'd be interesting. I'd love to hear some of your team build team builds. Love to hear it. Uh, 300, 400 points. I think those are great builds around, especially 45 points. That leaves a lot of points to kind of work with. So just email me with your thoughts on what you would like to build for uh, that Joker's Wild Robin. I want to thank everybody for uh, tuning in. I really appreciate everybody that kind of listens in. I know this is still an evolving podcast, and it's it's raw. I'm not a professional. Just going out there and just laying out there what I'm kind of doing, what I'm thinking, trying to keep my interest in hero clicks alive. I'd love to hear from y'all and start a really good discussion. I'd love to reach out. So, um, you know, just try to um, love to just have you just kind of contact me. You can contact me at ColossusTN on HC Realms or email me on lostinclicks at gmail.com. It's been great talking to y'all. Just a reminder that, you know, our topic today was knowing the train and really on maps. Really know the effect a map has on your team, and just remember, think outside the box. Think about how you can, can you can change a map to be your favor or to get to places that makes the map more beneficial to you. And sometimes you're on a map that doesn't help your team out at all, and unlike I've done before, I think you need to be ultra-aggressive and try to go after it uh, because it is a fun game, and in a casual environment, that's what you got to do. You just got to go for it. So... Um, Keep uh keep on clicking, keep on having a great time. I hope to hear from y'all. You should hear from me next week. Thank y'all for listening. Good night.